the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 106 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us today. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes 365 and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. You can also join our Facebook group, Baseball365, where we have over 2,300 members talking about baseball every single day. Conversations going on right now about a lot of drafts that are going on, uh, sub-drafts that are going on, leagues getting filled, all kinds of stuff. So go check it out if you haven't yet. And the best way you can support this show is by going to iTunes, taking a moment to leave us a five-star rating and writing a nice review for us is a good way to help us get our name out there, and we would be very appreciative. And as always, all of these plugs can be found in the show notes. On tonight's episode, it's going to be part three of the um, outfielder preview with Andrew. We'll get him on here in a second, and this is where we'll talk about every outfielder from 46 on. So, enjoy! Okay, Andrew, we have next up a group of five outfielders. We got Joey Gallo at 164, Nick Solak at 168, Trey Mancini at 183, Clint Frazier at 184, and Max Kepler at 185. Now, we've already covered Solak on the second base podcast and Mancini on first base, but we haven't really talked about Joey Gallo much this past year. League leading power upside, league worst batting average downside. And I'm going to make a comp here because I've recently bought a Nintendo 64 again because I'm just now turned 40 and I want to sound, I want to do things that make me feel young, <laughs> I guess. But um, I've been playing a lot of a game I used to love playing called Mario Golf. And you can play with these, like the little Yoshi character who doesn't hit the ball near as hard, but he's incredibly accurate. Like if you accidentally swing it one way or the other, you're barely going to be off. Or you could be Mario, who's got much more power. But man, if you accidentally mistime your swing, it's going to shank one way or the other. Joey Gallo is Mario (laughs) in Mario Golf. (laughs) That's a good one. So, um... Either way, Gallo was a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick, something like that last year. Now he's going in round 11 or 12 discount from last year. What are your thoughts on him this year? You know, I I have a really hard time um, kind of evaluating where you should draft a guy like that, uh, especially in a, in a batting average league. Uh, OBP league's totally different. And honestly – he may have his value change. I know we talked about this when we talked about Biggio uh, on the second base podcast, but he Gallo's value might change more going from batting average to OBP leagues than anyone in the entire league. Mm-hmm. So just speaking about batting average leagues, but I remember hearing an uh, intelligent person in the industry say, I want to say it was last year. It might have been the year before, but I think it was last year. 
that you cannot win or it's extremely hard to win an overall competition with Joey Gallo on your team because it just destroys your batting average. I mean, you basically have to build your whole team around it. I, I almost think of it in a little bit kind of like Nick Madrigal. Obviously, it's the opposite, but you're drafting these guys late enough that it's almost like you have to foresee the fact that you know you're going to get them and build for it beforehand. And it's just like an impossible thing to do, you know? And so, I don't know. I It's a guy that I'm probably not getting. I'm, I'm more likely to get him in like a standalone league. I think that, you know, if there's just a 15-team league or 12-team league or whatever you play in, uh, it's prob- you can probably hide it more. Uh, but it's really tough, man. It's so extreme, and it's like one of those things that, it's just hard for me to really put a value on that because we all know what he is. You know, I mean, everybody knows it's crazy power. It's like you said, probably the best power in the league or close to it or potentially that. And everything else is, that's it. You know, that's what it is. Now, like I said, OBP, he's going to help or at least not hurt you like you actively will in batting average. So just a tough one for me to evaluate, but I mostly just don't really look at him, to be honest, because I just don't feel like I need to take that on in this spot of the draft. I feel like I can get power later or I've already got power that I feel good about and um, don't really want to take the hit in batting average because I think some people ignore batting average and I really try not to. So I don't know, just – Probably not a guy I'm getting in, in redraft. I do have him in RM2, and that's enough for me. I don't go out of my way to get the high batting average guys always, but I also think I go out of my I do go out of my way to not get the the terrible ones early in drafts up to this point. And I'd much rather invest in one of those utility guys we talked about on the last episode, like the Fran Mill Reyes Stanton guys, who I think could hit 250, 260 most likely is you know 240 to 260 then go after gallo a couple rounds later and steamer's got him projected for a 210 average and i agree i think that's going to be the range he's at and it's just such a drag to where you almost feel like you got to draft batting average somewhere else and if you're drafting like a michael brantley aren't you and aren't you just kind of canceling each other out because you're you're yeah. you're now not great in the batting average and you're canceling out what Brantley does and you're also canceling out Gallo with the power by getting a light guy I just I'd rather not build that way personally yeah I mean like maybe if you had LeMahieu and McNeil and Brantley and you know all these guys that but like I said I mean it's you know this is pick 164 so you've made in a 15-team league, you've made 10 picks before this, maybe 11. Yep. I mean, it's hard to know, like, okay, I'm going to draft this way, and then I'm just going to pop Joey Gallo in round 11, because what if you don't get him? Yeah. You know, so, like, kind of like like I said, with the magical thing, only just the total opposite. But I just feel like you have to really, really build around it just be careful because, like you said, you're canceling out a, a stud batting average 
So, uh, Clint Frazier, uh, the only real question around him this offseason seems to be playing time. And I did hear that the Yankees manager did say that he's earned the right to be the starter going into the year. So that's a good sign for him. They did just sign Brett Gardner a couple days ago. So that that is still at least looming. Uh, Steamer thinks he's going to get the playing time with 565 plate appearances. Did that go off? Did you, did did you that hear off? that? Oh, yeah. Okay. That went off. That means I'll just start over. That's great. Him. No, you could leave that on. Everybody loved that. <laughs> All right, then. We'll leave was, it on. Was that, your, was that your? It must have been for it to go off, and it was in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm on the clock in our um, draft and hold league. Should I make a pick right now? No. <laughs> that is great. I was wondering that too, and I thought I closed it out, so I thought it might have been me. Nope, that was me. And I, was I don't go- think I- you need. To, I don't think you need to cut that because nope. everyone listening will appreciate it. You're welcome, everybody. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, none of you just ran off the road because you have this volume up too loud. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, uh, Steamer thinks he has um, is going to get the playing time with a 565 plate appearances. I'm going to set the bar lower because I think you'd take the under on that, and I'm going to try going with 500, over or under 500. For Clint Frazier, right? Yes. I think, I don't know, I think I would take a slight under. Okay. Um, I like him. I like him quite a bit, actually, as a player. I mean, I think that with a full season of at-bats, he could be pretty good. Um, I just don't know how much I trust it, like trust him to get that. So, I don't know. There's some moving parts there, some questions for me. I mean, I don't think he's a lock to be a stud either if he does get full-time at-bats, but I think that it would look nice, you know. I mean, I think that he has – appealing things about him. And I mean, it man, 15.6% walk rate last year. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously only 39 games, but yeah, no, I've always, I've always kind of liked him and felt like he should get his shot. You know, he's 26 now. I mean, it's crazy. I feel like he was just drafted. It doesn't even feel that long ago, but um, yeah, I got him in one league I don't know how many more I'll be targeting him. I I like him, but I just feel like there's there's questions there. But if he if he gets the playing time all year, he'll be a fun guy to own, I think. I'd rather have Kepler mainly because I think he's just a little safer. I feel like they're pretty similar in terms of what to expect, but I just feel a little more safe with Kepler. Would you agree with that or would you take the yeah. unknown with Frazier? Um it might depend on the team I've built. But, yeah, I could see it either way. Yeah, I think I'm taking Kepler there. But I do like Frazier, and I've taken him in one draft already. I'm assuming Kepler was already gone. I probably should go back and double-check. All right, uh, moving on. We got 10 outfielders I'm going to list off here. They are going between 195 and 218 here. We got Kyle Schwarber, now with the Washington Nationals. Randall Gritchick. And then we got Victor Reyes, Andrew McCutcheon, Leody Tavares, uh, A.J. Pollock, Jesse Winker, Jared Kelnick. And then we got J.D. Davis. Uh, we covered him on the third base podcast. And finally, Chris Taylor, who I think we covered on the second base podcast. 
Decent sized group here, Andrew. Who on this list are you most likely to grab as maybe a fourth, fifth outfielder? McCutcheon and Kellenick. Okay. And it's pretty um pretty clear for me. I I do like Schwarber a little bit. Um I think some of the stuff that I said about Solaire you could say about Schwarber. I feel, you know, it, he'll give you a lot of power and if you if you, you know, like say you were targeting Solaire because of what I said earlier and you miss Schwarber's not a bad guy to fall back on, I feel like. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely, you know, like McCutcheon and Kellenick are kind of guys, like I was saying with Brantley, where when we're in this spot of the draft, they're actively on my mind. Like, I'm ready to pounce. So, yeah, I like both of them. You know one thing I've never really understood, and I've dug into this and I've never figured out, and by the way, I like those. I like. I'm a big Kutch guy too. Why did McCutcheon go from becoming this 300 hitter to becoming a 250 hitter? And I don't know why, because it really don't seem much different when I look at him. But he was pretty consistently a 300 hitter from 2012 to 2015, and then since then he's been like right there in the 250s most years, and. I don't understand. Do you have, do you have any insight yeah, on that? No, no, not really. I I feel like he was just one of those guys when he started the fall off. Um, it just kind of happened like fairly quick. From I'm talking from like peak Andrew McCutcheon when he was like MVP, you know. But no, I don't have a great answer for it. And you know, it's it's also one of those things though. I still wouldn't be su- that surprised if he hit 280. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't shock me that much, but no, I, I really don't. You know, he's a safe guy because he's going to be hitting near the top of that lineup. I'm not, I I know I was real big on him two years ago and ticked because I couldn't get him anywhere. And I don't know if I've drafted him yet this year either. I didn't get him any shares last year. Traded for him in the Dynasty League, but so I at least have one share this year now. But um, I would I would like to see um, the NLDH for McCutcheon and I mostly say that because I I do feel like he's the kind of guy that is likely to get nicked up a little bit Mm -hmm. and um, I'm not saying that he would play DH a lot but the option of putting him there I think would be nice for him at this stage of his career at least to you know just give him some rest I mean he's 34 and been nicked up some so but yeah, I just a small thing that I've I've thought about with him. Uh, Toronto has signed Springer and Marcus Simeon in the last month or two, and Grichik went from being a pretty good fourth fifth outfielder, steady to I don't is he even more drafting as a starter at this point? No, I don't think so. What's what do you got his ADP at one one ninety six? But I'm assuming that's dropping right now. I'm, yeah, two twenty one in the last month. Okay, it's so he's. A, that's why I was asking. But you know that it. that's surprising because that still has him as a starter. If if that's the case, hopefully, I mean, maybe they sign Simeon and it's more like two seventy five in the last two weeks. Let's see, February first on. I'm pulling up now, and I 
think yeah, two fifty six. That's still a starter. So, man, I'm dropping some, yeah. But. Yeah, I I'm stunned to see it still at two fifty six because that's you're talking eighteenth, nineteenth round, and that means people are drafting him as a starter. Okay. Well, I wouldn't do that. What, are, are, no, are you, I wouldn't either. All right, moving on. Leody Tavares, he fell down prospect lists the last few years, but has bounced back up ranks after having gotten a lot of pe- pre- playing time in the leadoff spot for Texas last year. There are a few people interested in hearing us talking about him, including Jared LaRiviere, Le- who asked for our predictions for him. Do you care to give an outlook here? Uh, like stat line? Yeah, sure. What what are your and just what do you what do you expect from him? You can whatever you want to do. I will say like two fifty with like a three ten three twenty OBP. Um, I'd say like ten homers and twenty steals, maybe something like that. Okay. You know, I think, I think he'll what... be. I I think he'll be okay. I mean, I don't think he's crazy exciting. I mean, he will chip in some speed if that's what you need at this spot in the draft. And I definitely think he's going to play on Texas. So, um, I know I say that a lot, but I'm always thinking about playing time and like how the potential of guys getting squeezed out. Mm-hmm. So anybody who's tired of hearing me say that, I it's fine. I know I say it a lot, but it's just very important because you know you think i always try and put myself in the mindset of what if he slumps what happens you know kind of like when we were talking about with rosarena it's like they put willie calhoun in center field that's what happens and i mean i'm not yeah i mean i'm not saying that um leody Tavares isn't capable of being benched or something like that but you know he's a young guy that they've kind of always felt highly of and or thought highly of, and now he's in the majors, had a pretty decent debut. I don't really think that they're gonna they're gonna bench him unless he's just absolutely horrendous. So, All right, I'm gonna just go on and predict it, and I don't know who it'll come in and take in there. And this is gonna make people cringe, but I think he's this year's Oscar to um, Mercado. I th- I think that he struggles. I don't. I'm not a fan. I just, I don't buy into it. I think that he's, it's, I just have this feeling like he's going to have a ugly year and end up getting benched, even despite the fact that they're on a bad team. Maybe that'll keep him in the lineup. I don't have good expectations. I think he's going to struggle. So we'll find out. I know that's a little bold throwing that out there, but because, you know, he was, a lot of people really like him. I'm not a fan. I just, yeah, I, I haven't. I haven't drafted him here, and I, I like these other guys, most yeah. of them better. Not maybe not all of them, but most of them. No, no, yeah, you're you have a very fair projection. I'm going for the extreme low end as I say that. Um, all right, let's get into Jared Kelnick. Good chance he's up by mid-April, I would say. Andrew, let's say he plays 145 games, gets 550 at bats. What kind of stat line are you thinking you could get if you take him here in maybe the 14th, 15th round? 
man, I'd love for him to play 145 games. I don't think he's going to do that. But, um, you know, I think he's capable of kind of what we were saying with Dylan Carlson. I mean, I think that they're somewhat comparable um, other than the fact that Kellenic may not be up for the first couple of weeks, but he's also, you know, going like 70, 80 picks later. And I think that Kellenic's part of the reason that I'm not crazy interested in Carlson because I just, you know, like people love to think like they know when the prospect's going to come up or they feel like what they're going to do, but like, Jared Kellenick is a better prospect than Dylan Carlson. Yep. You know, and that, not to rip Carlson, I'm just saying that, like, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things. It's like if he is up, I just, I think he's going to be really good. I'll say, I think he's like a 20, 22 homer, 16 steal type of guy if he's up for most of the year. Um, with like good batting average, you know, I just think he's well-rounded. He's going to kind of help you across the board. I've got him in three of my four draft champions so far. I'm happy with it. I mean, I know when I take him that I kind of have to make sure that I get, um, kind of the boring outfielders later. And there's definitely ones that I like. So, or, you know, ones that I tend to cling to, I guess. So, I'm comfortable with it. I mean, you know, some people will say, like, these guys are guaranteed to play and Kellenick's not, and you might get caught up in, you know, what if he isn't up in mid-April? Because he, he might not be. I mean, it's not a lock that he's up when we think he's going to be up right now. Um, you just have to make sure you cover yourself and, uh, you know, whether that means just taking more boring veterans that are just locked into playing time later or whatever, but. Yeah, I'm just I'm just comfortable with it here. I, I think that in round whatever it is, fourteen, fifteen, that he could be really good. So Yeah, Acuna three years ago is the example I'm always gonna think of when it comes to yeah, he's gonna be up the second week of the season. And I remember thinking that with Acuna and I think it was like May before we finally saw him. First second week yeah. of May. Something like that. Everybody kept wondering when he was gonna get called up. All right, I'm gonna. Ask yeah, you. we people love to think that they know when they're gonna be up, and it's you know it it doesn't always it doesn't always play out that way. It, in fact, it it often doesn't play out that way. So it just you just have to be aware of it. That's all. A couple more Kelnick questions here that I did not put in the notes, so I'm throw I'm throwing them at you. True or false? A year from now, Kelnick is a top twenty five dynasty asset. Which way do you lean? Whew, man, that's high. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think he's right there. Yeah, right around there. So if I said like top 35, he might be a top 35 now, actually. Yeah, I would say top 35, definitely. I think he might be in that range now on on some people's ranks. I Um, mean, he's, he's... there's spots like prospect live has him ranked as the number one pro. I mean, not just them as the number one prospect, but there's, there's other places too, where people have had some questions pop up about wander and 
they're putting Kellenic one and you know, whatever you think of that, I mean, whether he's one, two, three, four, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, he's an elite prospect. He's close to the majors. He's going to be up probably pretty soon. He can contribute in all five categories. I mean, there's really not much to not like other than you just haven't seen him do it in the majors yet, but you can't hold that against him. You know, it's just, yeah, I, I, I think he'll be top 25, actually. I do. I, I It'll be close because, obviously, there's a lot of good young hitters. But, yeah, it's um, when you have a guy like this, unless he comes up and struggles, he should be there. So, What do you think his peak season looks like? What do you think he's capable of? The guy that I think of, and this is obviously a top-end outcome. I don't expect him necessarily to get to this level, but I think of Christian Yelich a lot Ooh. when I think of Kalanick. And, I mean, that's a big name. You know, that's, that's a guy yeah, who it's, it's a, a big name. Ago, two years ago we were talking about as a top three overall player. Yeah, I mean, it's a big name, but it's kind of, you know, if you go back to when Yelich was in this spot where Kalanick is now, I mean, he was never – off memory, I don't believe he was ever rated this highly as a prospect as Kellenic is, no. but you know, he was just hit tool, kind of blend across the board type of guy. And then kept Yelich's power just went nuts, you know, and that's something that remains to be seen. Kellenic's probably won't get like that, but unless he gets traded to the Brewers. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like that um I don't know, like peak season maybe two eighty, two ninety. Who knows? Maybe higher, thirty twenty. I think he can do thirty twenty. Wow, that's a big name player right there. Yeah, that is, and it. I mean, the the percent chance that he becomes that is probably, I don't know, ten percent, twenty percent. I mean, it's not likely, but I think it's in there. Well, that's intriguing. All right, let's move on here, and I'm going to list off the next um, group of outfielders. We got. Um, these are going everywhere from 223 overall to 261. We got Jerks and Profar, who we covered at second base at 61. Austin Hayes at 62. Andrew Benatendi at 63. Hunter Dozier at 64. We covered him already in first base. Lorenzo Kane at 247. Brandon Nemo at 256. Yasiel Puig at 257. Cole Calhoun. And then we got John Birdie at 69 overall. We've already covered him on the second base podcast. 70 is Manuel Margot. And 71 is Rymel Tapia at 261 overall. Um, Andrew, we've seen Ben Attendee's ADP fall year after year for what feels like a decade. And now he's a 16th round pick. And since we recorded last that he's actually been moved. He was traded to the Kansas city Royals where it feels like the Red Sox just moved him in a salary dump and almost feels like they just gave up on him. I took him in our most recent draft and hold in the same round 16th round. Would you call that a good buy lower? Are you still staying away at that price? I haven't gotten him yet. Um, I do have him in, one dynasty league. I think it's fine though. Yeah, I, I don't I don't feel really strongly about it either way, but 
a guy like that that recently has been thought of pretty highly. I mean, in round 16, it's it's kind of just like you start taking your guys around this time, and I um, I can get behind it, yeah. Moving off of the position, because we've already talked about shortstops, I do want to quickly ask you, Ben Attendee going to the Royals, they're saying he may hit at the top of the lineup. Adalberto Mondesi could get moved to the bottom of the lineup. Are you more concerned with that risk now that Ben Attendee's there, that that's possible with drafting Mondesi? You know, not really. I mean, like with with Mondesi, you're drafting steel. You're drafting the steals. You know, I don't really. I don't know. I don't really care that much. No, Man. I just don't feel. I don't feel like what you're drafting Mondesi for is affected by Andrew Benatendi at all. So, I mean, yeah, okay, a, a handful of runs and a handful of RBI or whatever, but. Like, that's not why you're drafting Mondesi. You're drafting Mondesi because he can blow away the field and steals, and he can still do that. Man, I'm more concerned than you are, apparently. Because I look at it this way. I'm like, if he hits eight or nine, let's say, the majority of the season, that could be 100 to 150 extra plate appearances. And for a guy who's already a bad OBP guy, I just think that's a lot fewer chances to get on base. Man, I I am legit concerned. Yeah, but maybe maybe he's not hurting your batting average in OBP as much too. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's just, I, I mean, he stole he stole twenty four bases in two hundred and thirty three plate appearances. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not like even if you if you knock him down to say five fifty. God, yeah, even yeah, five hundred to five fifty. I mean. He's probably stealing 50 man, or, you know, he can. And I mean, that's why you're drafting him. So, man, I, I, I think it, it runs me off personally, but we'll get off that. I yeah. Guess. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like a super in on Mondesi guy. Yeah. You know, I'm not like, Oh, he's my favorite guy on the board. I'm drafting him every time in round two. It's not one of those things. It's just, I don't feel like his um, what you're the reason you're drafting him is affected that much by this. Yeah. Uh, aside from, you know, it could be a few less plate appearances and steals. But I also don't necessarily know for sure if it's going to be. I mean, they still have Mondesi hitting at the top of the lineup on roster resource. Not that that's the be all end all, but I don't know. Okay. And that is true. It's very possible that they go on and plug Benatendi in the 5-6 hole and modesty stays up there. Uh, Yasiel Puig, if he gets signed, this likely is a steal. Richard Daniels did ask us if in the podcast questions if it was worth taking a risk on him here. I mean, we're at February 19th. Pitchers and catchers have reported now. And he's still not signed, and he went last year without being signed. After, you know, he almost got signed, and then he ended up testing positive for COVID. And again, we're getting close to the season, just like last year, and there's nothing. How concerned are you? Like, will you take a shot on him I'm, here? I'm concerned. I mean, like, I there was a point, um, I want to say December, January, 
somewhere in there where I was thinking, yeah, you know, Puig is looking pretty good, like where he was going in drafts and stuff. And uh, I never got my hands on him, but I think I did. I think I took him in the mock with Rich and Tim, maybe pretty late. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like he could he could just be a total zero. Like I don't. I remember the the last thing, and I'll, I'll be I'll be totally honest. The la- I haven't heard anything recent, um, so I haven't checked into it in like the last week or so, but. The last thing that I saw was that the Yankees, Marlins, and Royals, who were the three teams that were talking about it, they were all out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, I just I don't. Who's going to sign him? I mean, you know, I just don't really know. Like, obviously, at a certain point, it's worth it. If if you're talking a draft and hold, I would take it. I wouldn't take him here. I would wait beyond this. And his his ADP in those in the last since February 1st is down to 314. So it's yeah. still going down. Um, if it was a fab league and like, let's say you drafted now and your fab run started in late March, I would take him at the end of the draft potentially because there's no value attached to those picks and you can just drop them for whoever you want to pick up at that point. So it wouldn't like cost you much, you know, um, necessarily. I mean, what, what round are we looking at here? Like, well, when you just said three fourteen there in the last, since February, we're talking 21st, 22nd, right? 21, 22. Yeah. Getting close yeah, I to don't the reserve know. rounds. I still think that's, that's a little high for me. I'm just not convinced he's going to sign, but I mean, if he does, it's, it's worth it. I mean, yeah, I like his skill set for where it is in the draft. I mean, it's just strictly a concern of, is he going to be on a team? You know, and that's a, this just in, that's a pretty big, uh, pretty big problem if he is. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's obviously more important than anything. So, Yeah, I felt differently two months ago. I felt a little better about taking a shot on him. I Me still, too. I have no shares anywhere, but, yeah, I think it's more likely than not at this point that he's not on a roster. And, man, that's surprising to say. I mean. It is. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, just, I mean, people don't care for his personality i guess i don't i mean we don't know the full story but i mean there's a lot of we've heard plenty of reports over the last decade of people not him him not meshing with management or players or whatever else um margot and tapia they saw some spikes in playing time last season and late in the year and for the postseason for margot but both have um, some playing time opportunities this next year. Are you buying into either one? No, not really. Probably would have to slip a little bit more. It's kind of one of those things with guys like that. It's just if they're on the board way too – or what I view in, in draft is way too long, then maybe I'd pounce. But no, not really. I'm not really interested. Now, as a guy who's owned Margot quite a bit over the years, I last year I don't know if I had him anywhere, but I've had him everywhere in redrafts and dynasties the previous three or four years. I've just seen too many ups and downs with him. I hope he succeeds. I've always been a fan of him. And then Tappy, on the other hand, well, we know what the Rockies are capable of doing if you go out there and struggle at all. Yeah. I want to bring up one other thing that I did not 
put in these notes that I saw on Twitter, and I just pulled up Cole Calhoun's steamer projections, and I'm going to read them to you. He's projected for 24 home runs, 4 steals, 231 batting average, 74 home runs, or 74 runs and 73 RBI. And then let's talk about Michael Conforto, who had an ADP, what was it, like 75? So we're talking basically almost 200 picks difference. 31 home runs, 7 seven stolen bases, 253 average, 90 runs, and 92 RBI. And they are closer on like the bad X if you look at some of these others. Conforto's down a little bit. Yeah. 200 picks difference. I mean, What I was just, the batting average on Cole Calhoun? 230. Yeah, see, the only, the only thing is I I feel like Conforto could just crush him in batting average. Could. Like Cole, Cole do, Calhoun doesn't have any batting average upside to me. Man, I think I still would project Conforto to be 250-260. I, I just, it's hard for me to buy into that. Yeah, but don't you agree that it's in there that he could hit 290, 280? <sighs> I mean, I don't, I don't see any world where Calhoun does that. Man, I but I, I'll put it this way. I'm not disagreeing with your point. You can keep yeah. going. I'm just saying that I, I I'm not trying to fight for Conforto. You know what I'm saying. I'm just <laughs> here. I agree with you that if one of them hits 290, it's going to be Conforto. But I also think that's the like. It's hard for me to imagine more than that. I know he just did that last year in a 54 game stretch, but I could also see Calhoun going out there and hitting 260. So we're still talking 30 points difference if. If like they both hit what I think is the high end, yeah, there could be a sixty, but there could also be a sixty seventy point difference if one's on the high and one's on the low, or they could be the same. If I just yeah, I I would much. We've already talked about Conforto. I really like Calhoun as a fifth outfielder. I just I think that he's a real good price here for what he provides. I mean, he's been pretty consistent over the years at being a you know, 230, 240, you know, 220 to 240 hitter, I guess I should say, with who can get some home runs mixed in there. And, yeah, he did have an uptick this last, I guess, two years, really, with 16 last year and 33 the year before. Yeah, he's got he's got a lot of power. I mean, like, for what you just wouldn't expect it. And it seems like he always hits uh, hits for more power than you would think. Anybody else here stick out to you? Austin Hayes, um, Lorenzo Cain, anybody else? No, not really. I mean, th- these guys should get at bats, but no, not not too uh, exciting. Cain's an interesting one to me, but he has taken a year off. It's hard to know exactly what he's going to provide. He's getting up there in the years, but I still feel like you can get 10 to 15 home runs and steals out of the guy each to where if I, I, I don't mind him as a fifth outfielder or a guy. I think, I think I even got him as a reserve round guy or real close to it in one draft. Oh, all right. Um, 72 to 80 here. These guys are going between 265 and 292. We got Garrett Hampson at 265, then Mark Canna. And then we got Alex Kirilov, 74th outfielder off the board at 273. David Peralta, Nick Senzel, Mitch Haniger, Aaron Hicks, Mauricio Dubon, who we talked about on the second base podcast, and Brian Reynolds with the Pirates is the last one at 80 at 292. 
All right, let's start off with Kirilov. He's a 18, 19 round ADP guy here. Are you buying into him here? I think when I took him, I think it was round 20 or 21. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think he's fine here. You know who I think Alex Kirilov is at the end of the day? Yeah, I'm going to take a guess and let's see if I'm right. I, I I know we talked about him recently, and you may have already given me a name, but I don't remember. But Michael this is, this Michael is, Brantley. No, but you got the first name right. Conforto, then, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah i I like Alex Kirilov. Um, obviously, really good prospect. I don't think he has like that stupid upside, though. Mm-hmm. Like to where, you know, I think he's probably going to end up being one of those guys that's just good, steady, rock solid, whatever you want to call it. But not a guy I ever envisioned being drafted in the top two or three rounds. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, um, yeah, that's what I think he is. I think he's Michael. I think he's Michael Conforto. <laughs> just funny that Conforto keeps coming up. But. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I think he's fine here. I mean, totally. Yeah, like where this spot in the draft, I mean, why not? You know, I think he's going to get at bats, um, potentially even from day one. But if not, I don't think it'll be too long. So, yeah, I definitely I like him here. Yeah, I could I see the comp in terms of I think it is pretty similar to what I thought Conforto was going to be coming into the coming into his career when he made it to the bigs because Conforto has not become the player I expected. He's now more of a 250 guy who can hit 25 to 30 homers. But coming up, the scouting board I remember was he was a 280 to 300 hit hitter. Better hit tool, less power, maybe a 20 home run guy. Maybe if he got maybe if it really hit he'd get to 25. To where the and I think that's what I think Kirilov is. A better hit tool than power. And yeah. Okay. Um Sinzel, Mitch Haniger, Aaron Hicks. They had a combined, I think, 20,000 days on the injured list the last two seasons. Would you buy any of them? Uh, yeah, actually. I, I don't mind any of them, really. I, I think I like Hicks the most. Um, He's kind of one of those that I just feel like I target in round 19 or 20, but... Yeah, I think they're all fine. I like Senzel too. I mean, I've kind of always felt like the the entire market's cooled on Senzel. I get it, um, but it's mostly health related, if not all health related. I just feel like he's going. I still think he's going to have a good career, so I would buy low on him in dynasty leagues. I already did once, um, and once they kind of turn that corner from all the health concern, it, it can get a lot better. I, I feel like it, I've always, I feel like with him kind of like I, people felt with Rendon back in the day. And I, I'm not saying he's Rendon, but there was a point where Anthony Rendon was the most injury prone guy on the oh, planet. Yes. I mean, he was constantly hurt and that's all anybody talked about whenever they said his name. So 
I I think there's brighter days ahead for Sinzel personally. So, but yeah, they're I think they're all fine. Hanniger's a little weird because I just feel like there's um, some more question marks. But yeah, they're all fine. What you you're saying you buying Sinzel, and I want to dig into that a bit because I struggle understanding exactly what Sinzel is like at this point. He's been hurt, but he's also not been like consistent i don't think when he's played but it's been short spurts in his defense what do you what kind of player do you think he's capable of being i mean i think he could in a best case scenario where he stays healthy push 2020 that's a good player i mean maybe not quite that and you know who knows if he ever gets there but i just think he's got an all-around skill set he can hit and yeah i I think it's fine here. I mean, I, it's obviously, you know, when you take some of these guys, I mean, those three guys, especially like you said, you, you have to kind of balance like your risk. Like you don't want to just take a bunch of guys like that. But yeah. if you have uh, some guys that you just feel feel good about and feel like you could take a little bit of a shot, I think it's I think it's fine to take take on those guys. I think Aaron Hicks is underrated personally, but. Yeah, I, they're all three fine. So Hicks is going to be their center fielder, correct? Because they got Judge, they have Stanton, who's going to be the DH, and then they have Clint Frazier. So I'm assuming Hicks is their center fielder? Yeah. Okay. Where do they have him projected to hit? I'm sitting here trying to think about it because is he going to be at the top or the bottom of the lineup trying to get this to pull up? I'm not, sure, what, I'm not sure where they've got it Of course, I hit the set Yankees. right now. But yeah, he's got some upside if he can get himself in especially it's just so, the I mean, top it's of the lineup. It's so cheap. I mean, it's just like I don't know. I just feel like it's good investment for where it's at. Yeah. For where he's going. Okay. Anybody else on this list you want to touch on before we can move on? No, I think that um Yeah, none of these other guys excite me too much. We can move on. All right. Um, 81 through 100 here, outfielders. I'm just going to list them all off. They're going between 314 and 411 here. So we're talking end game and beginning of the reserved rounds. Scott Kingery, uh, David Dahl, Avisel Garcia, Joe Adele, Alex Dickerson, Willie Calhoun, Jackie Bradley Jr., Corey Dickerson, Adam Eaton, Kevin Pillar, uh, Jock Peterson, Justin Upton, Sam Hilliard, Oscar Mercado, Christian uh, Pache. I almost said Christian Slater because the next guy is Austin Slater. <laughs> uh, Robbie Grossman, Adam Duvall, now with the Miami Marlins, Michael Chavis, and Franchi Cordero. A um, couple guys I want to talk about on this list that I'm – there i'm intrigued by um i guess i'll just go on into some questions and then we can ask if there's any others you've intrigued by but um david Dahl, when we started this podcast two years ago we were both smitten with Dahl. i think we i know i had the bold prediction and i think you had something pretty similarly when we did our bold predictions for like a 35 home run 20 stolen base guy and that definitely did not happen 
And after two disappointing years, he's now in Texas, which is a ballpark that apparently is the exact opposite of Coors. After one year, it looked like a pitcher's park. Is his value completely toasted now? I mean, I wouldn't go into any fantasy draft or any season expecting much out of David Dell. Um, would I be completely shocked if he surprised a little bit and played a little bit better now that everyone's thrown him to the thrown him aside? No, I wouldn't be surprised that surprised. But I also wouldn't go into it expecting anything. So kind of just kind of just where I'm at. I mean, I don't feel like you can expect much and but no, I mean like if we're sitting there in the middle of summer and he's having a decent year and it, it's not going to I I won't be that surprised. So it's it's hard to say value completely toasted. I mean, it just depends on how you look at it. I took over a 20 or a 12 team dynasty league with um a bunch of guys who I played in that PlayStation MLB The Show League last year, Brent Herzog. I think I took over his team, actually. And David Dahl's on it. Five outfielders, 12-team league. And I've done a lot of shuffling, and he's still on my team, but I don't think I'm going to hold on to him far into the season if he doesn't come out guns a-blazing. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to keep him as a roster spot. I'll try yeah. trading him if that's the case, but I just... I'm not holding out much hope, personally. I think... I would not be drafting him as a starter. You want to take him in the reserve rounds, okay. I probably still wouldn't. But, um, like in the early part, I think he'll go before I'm taking him. But you never know. I mean, the upside we really liked, it's it's a shame. It's a shame that he had that bit. What was it? Uh, some sort of core injury, right? Whenever he was... Spleen. His spleen. Spleen, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Do you think that was... like? I, could have affected him. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm obviously not a doctor. I don't know how some of that <laughs> stuff. But, I I mean, it definitely could have affected, like, his ability to stay healthy. It wouldn't. Okay. Uh, Avi Garcia, he was a guy you were in on as a fifth outfielder last year. And he was good, but he didn't provide the home runs or skills either of us were hoping for. Because I bought in, too, um, on him. Britton Allen asks about him, and he mentions that the BAT-X, which is another projection system out there that's on fan graphs, they project Abby for 623 plate appearances, 26 home runs, 9 steals, and a 270 average. Andrew, that sounds like that's not far off of what we were hoping for out of him last year. I remember thinking 20 to 25 home runs and 10 steals. Do you think he still could do something like that this year? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I I don't feel that much differently about him this year, I guess. I, I don't know, I feel like he just gets kind of forgotten about a little bit. He's not the most exciting guy in the world, but um, they've got him slated to hit fifth at, at the moment and the bottom of their uh, bottom of the Brewers lineup is pretty uh, pretty bad. So I feel like he should hit somewhere in the middle of it and probably will return value where he's going. To be honest, I think I took him in one draft in like round 25 and it's fine. I mean, I think he'll get playing time and provide a little bit everywhere. 
Moving on, Joe Adele was a 10th, 12th round pick last year, if I recall. People were hopeful that he could come up and go to Tease Jr. on the league. And that sure didn't happen, which is a good warning sign for prospects coming up that who don't seem like they have a fully developed hit tool. They don't always come up and go to Tease Jr. Sometimes they do what Joe Adele did. Uh, the Angels traded for Dexter Fowler, and it sounds like Adele will start the year in the minors. He'll probably be up eventually and given another shot this year. How confident, Andrew, are you that he makes a positive impact this year? Um, Not real confident. I mean, I think with him it's like short term. It's still kind of just wait and see. Um, I do think he'll get his shot. But no, I'm not I'm not really confident in anything. It's again, it's kind of one of those things that like I was saying with Dahl, but it's different than Dahl, but it's just like you don't want to expect a ton when you draft Joe Adele, I feel like, in a redraft. And then you just, you know, you hope for the best. I mean, it's kind of in a spot in the draft where it's not like it's gonna kill you if he doesn't give you anything. So if uh it's a guy you want to take a shot on, you know, just like I say, you just you just don't want to um, expect too much or think that you're going to get this magical season, and then you know maybe he surprises you. But yeah, just not really sure what to think short term. Man, you know I was skeptical going into last year, but I also was skeptical about Tatis two years ago. So I I, I tried saying that whenever I talk about him, and man, it was ugly. 41% strikeout rate, 5% walk rate. So it was a 55 to 7 K to walk, K to walks. Whew. Yeah. Ho- hopefully he gets it figured out. He's an extreme talent. We'll just see about the hit tool. Um, I am intrigued by a couple guys on this list. I wanted to bring up Willie Calhoun and Austin Slater. Calhoun was pretty good in a half season two years ago. I think he had like 19, 20 home runs in a half season. And last year got derailed because he got hit in the jaw, I think, in spring training or the second spring training. And I think that kind of messed with him when he finally got back. I I believe that that's one of those things that can really get to a mess with somebody whenever they come back. You get hit in the face like that. And then Austin Slater, he was real good last year whenever he found his way into some playing time for the Giants in only 104 plate appearances, 31 games, which I had a lot of plate pinch hit appearances late in the year, but he had five home runs and eight steals. And I bring that up. I don't even, I don't think he's going to go into the year as a starter for the giants, but if you're in a fab league and you notice him start getting playing time, keep an eye on him. That's what I would say, because I do think he's got a nice little power speed blend. If he does find his way into some playing time, I'd, I don't even know if I haven't been aggressive on him in the beginning of reserve rounds of draft and hold leagues because I don't know if he'll get the playing time, but I am intrigued if he does get it. So that's my little nugget. Watch him. Yeah, and that's, that's a good call. Watch him in fab leagues. Um, yeah, especially because you might not start with <clears> this with the job, but yeah, it's it's good call. You can pick him up or whatever. Yeah, keep an eye on it. And the reason he lost he had a stretch. He had a stretch where he was just on fire. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yes. I mean, it was just crazy. Like, it seemed like he was hitting a homer or stealing a base almost every day there for a brief period of time. So Yeah, I um, I have, I have, still have him in my daily dynasty. I don't think I'm going to be able to hang on to him. 
and I just I was I was loving that guy, and he had an elbow injury. That's what messed him up. He went on the injured list, and I asked our friend Kando, who's the other admin for our group, because he's a diehard Giants fan, and I'm like, why isn't he playing? Like, what's going on? I asked him after the season, and I guess this elbow injury was preventing him from playing the field. And that made sense because he was never starting games. I would only watch him come as come in as a pinch hitter. So help me understand a little bit. But man, if that guy could get some at bats, I think there's some there's some he could be a real good player for a little while. Um, anyone here you want to discuss? I mean, I think we've got to drop our obligatory. We like Adam Eaton at this price. I don't know. Yeah, if I was going to say if you <laughs> Adam Eaton at pick 368 i mean he they have it's right now roster resource shows him hitting second for the white Sox, and whether he does that or not i mean he has the on-base skills to do it whether it happens or not we'll see but if he hits second for the white Sox for the majority of the season he is 100 percent a great pick here there's no like <laughs> there is no chance that he that he's not returning value at at pick 368 so yeah i really like eaton i mean it's pretty clear to me that um he's just i just feel like he's a lock to return value unless he's injured and you know just decline i mean there's always that chance but i mean like in this spot i just i don't see how you can't do it what about jock peterson he's now on your team how what are your thoughts on him now with the cubs Uh, I don't know. I, I, I kind of, I kind of feel like I always have with Jock Peterson. It's just, I feel like he's a really, uh, really strong platoon guy. Like can't hit lefties. He's always going to, he'll, he'll hit righties. I mean, he'll be in there a lot. Um, probably a little bit more maybe than he was with the Dodgers, but I don't feel, uh, I don't feel real strongly about him either way. Big He's- power, mostly against right-handed pitching. That's really it. Do you feel like he's a better player than Kyle Schwarber, though, in terms of baseball, like for the Cubs? Do you think that's an improvement, or what are your thoughts there? Um, Yeah, a little bit. I mean, he's better in the field, and he can run a little bit. You know, like he's more athletic and stuff like that, but uh, fantasy-wise, no. I don't yeah. think he'll be better than Schwarber. No. Okay. Man, I, I still remember that guy going 30-30 in the PCL years ago. Yeah. All right, I'm not going to read off all the guys from 100 to 125, but is there anybody on this list that you wanted to discuss in this group? These guys are going between picks 418 on... I Actually, I never even wrote where Michael A. Taylor, who's at 125, is that you think are good spec guys in draft and hold leagues? Well, like one guy that just kind of sticks out on here are a couple guys that I've drafted because, or, you know, like I was saying with Kellenic, when you're taking a guy like that or, or a guy like Kirilov and you have to back him up, taking a guy like Gregory Polanco or Jason Hayward that you know you're going to get at bats from, I think is fine. I think that's like a fine strategy to do. And just know that, you know, you don't want to have to depend on those guys, but they also are going to play. They're going to give you, you know, fifth outfielder production, maybe, maybe a little bit better. 
And they're just kind of a guy that you can plug in there until Kellenic's up. So I would just be conscious of that, especially if it's like a draft and hold or something. I mean, obviously, obviously like in a regular, you know, 30, 30, uh, 30 man, like seven bench league. A lot of these guys, you're probably not going to care that much about. So man, not a, uh, not a ton on most of them, I guess. I'm not a, I, I don't know if I could do it on Polanco, but I definitely agree on Hayward. He's been, yeah, I just feel like he's steady. He's not yeah. great, but he's very steady to where I do like him as a draft and hold grab. The only other one. I love, I, I love DJ Stewart too, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really like TJ Stewart. I think he's got power, and I think he's on the right team that he can play every day, possibly hit near the top of the lineup. And um, yeah, I, I think he's a, he's a guy that could hit like 25, 30 bombs. It wouldn't even surprise me one bit. I mean, whether he gets the playing time or not, we'll see. I mean, that's going to be the big thing. But yeah, I like TJ Stewart. Interesting. I didn't especially because realize... he's. Especially because he's completely free. I mean, he's just completely free. You know, he's penciled in right now on roster resources. Their second hitter yep. in the lineup. That's interesting. Yep. Wow, yeah, I've been drafting him. Yeah, I like that more now. And um, Nomar Mazzara, I will not quit you if your price is going to get this cheap. You may still be a complete mess, but if you ever figure out that swing, I still think there's seventy grade <laughs> power in there. So I'm probably still going to go down that ship, even though now you're with the Tigers. Maybe, maybe, maybe. If Eric Hosmer can figure out his launch angle, I'm not giving up on you, Mazzara. All right. Um, after 126, I didn't. I don't even have the list here, but I thought I wanted to finish this off talking about the prospects who haven't debuted yet, and I got a list of them. Uh, Drew Waters, Julio Rodriguez, Trevor Larnick. Jaron Duran, uh, Josh Lowe, Taylor Trammell, J.J. Blade, Khalil Lee, Helio Ramos, Travis Swaggerty, and Riley Green. Those were the ones I came up with looking at guys who I thought there's a chance could debut. Um, who on this list do you think has a good shot and getting some playing time that you would show interest in in drafting holds? Uh, I think that... I mean, there's a difference between, like, who's the best prospect and who's the mm -hmm. most likely to make an impact in 2021. I think that um, Larnick and Jaron Duran probably would be the two I would pick as far as 2021, like, impact or, or playing time. Um, I think that, I mean, I think Julio has a shot and I think Waters has a shot too. I mean, all these guys have a shot really, but um, I mostly say them because they're the best prospects of the group. So you kind of have to have them on the mind, but um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, all these guys, you're probably drafting like rounds. 35 to 40 and beyond. So like I took Julio in round, in round 33 of my first draft and I don't think I'd do it again. I think he's more like round 40 and beyond, but I, I think it's just cause I'm a little more confident that he won't be up for a while. 
than I was. And maybe that's wrong. You know, I could totally be wrong. He's the type of guy that all it takes is that one decision for him to be up and all that changes, obviously. So, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, a lot lot of this with these guys, it's a guessing game. I mean, it really is. It's how many times a year do you see an alert where it's like so-and-so is getting called up and you didn't even have them on your radar, you know? Mm-hmm. there's probably guys you didn't even list here that are, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but that will get called up, you know? Yep. So it's, um, it really is a guessing game. I, I think Larnick and Duran, I probably feel the best about playing this year, but that doesn't mean it's going to be right. So no, I Taylor Trammell is one that's interesting to me just because of the speed aspect. Seattle's not competing. And if Julio does not make it up, especially, I mean, he was, he spent pretty much the full year 2019 in double a, and I know he had a yeah. real good finish in the, with, for the Padres in the playoffs that year. But I think I've mentioned this on the show before when a prospect gets moved twice, I definitely raise my eyebrow. I just, I, I, I always think of Byron Buxton when I think of, I'm sorry, not uh, Lewis Brinson. When I think of prospects that get moved multiple times that have pedigree that are, have been top prospects. And man, that's, that's a tough comp these days. (laughs) uh, I I mean, people hold on to these cost controlled players and to have seen them get moved twice. I can't help but wonder what's going on, but man, he's got some, I I saw him in double a Chattanooga two years ago and he was a terror on the base paths that game. You can, that guy, that guy's a difference maker when he gets on base. And that's all uh, speed's a hard thing to find where I, I like him a lot in terms of taking the shot, but it could be a wasted pick. All these could be wasted picks. I don't know if any of these guys I'm like, yeah, I'm certain he's coming up this year. That's why they're going this late. It'll be real interesting to see here in like about a month, kind of how these guys are doing in spring training and stuff. And, you know, some of them will pop up a little bit like, there'll be some hype going around and some of them will just go quietly, you know, not even, you won't even think about them because they they'll struggle or they'll maybe be nicked up and they just won't ever have that true shot. But you never know. There could be one or two from this group that are up early. I mean, it's possible. All right, Andrew, I got a final question. That's a listener question from Kenneth hero. He mentions that some groupings of outfielders seem to end up together in queues. He used an example of Winker, Tapia, Margot, Hampson, Profar. And he asked, when choosing, do you just go with your gut at that point? And I thought we should use um, Tapia, Margot, and Hampson in this example as they're all speed guys with a little bit of pop. And he's asking how we differentiate if we go with our gut. And um, I thought I'd, I wanted to answer this, and I'll let you go afterwards. Um, I think I don't, I bet you'll have a pretty similar answer here, but when three guys that are pretty similar are out there, I'm waiting until the next round. Kind of like I said on the last episode, I think it was when I was talking about Conforto and Castellanos, I'm just going to wait. And I want to get, if, if I think they're that similar, I just want to get the last one if possible. If anything else, the second one, if I don't think they'll get back to me, I just don't want to take the first one. 
unless I significantly like one guy more than the West, bet than the rest, I'll just wait and take take what's there for me. And Andrew, I give you credit for this because I think you're the one that started punching that in my head a few years ago, and I've learned that from you. Anything to add to that? No, that's yeah, that's a lot of what I would have said. I mean, I a lot of times when I get into a draft, like later on, especially. I'll have a queue and it's kind of it's kind of jumbled, you know, like all over the place. But I'll have, say, four outfielders I group together and three starting pitchers and two relievers or or whatever it is, you know. And I always think like, okay, which one of these is like the shallowest for this tier? And then typically that's what I'm gonna draft. I mean, the one scary thing about it is like if you say, okay, I want one of these four catchers as my C2, and it's like the turn where you've got to wait a long time, you know, say you're picking 13 and it's going all the way back to one, they may all go. Yes. And so you really got to evaluate, you know, what do I need? What do I want? How important is it that I don't miss this tier? all those things kind of play around in my head, but um, yeah, I mean, if it's just straight, straight up, like one versus the other, I'm usually going to go with the, uh, the tier that I feel like is going to run out sooner. Hopefully that answered your question, Ken. All right, Andrew, uh, as we finished, we're now done with outfielders and we'll do the same game we did last episode. Uh, from 46 on amongst outfielders, the three outfielders I think are most likely to end up on my team are blank. Um, I'm going to go with Jared Kellenick, Andrew McCutcheon, and... You've got the first two of the three I, that I knew you were gonna like. I I I thought I knew your three, and you. I can go deeper than I can go deeper than seventy-five. You yeah, forty-six on. Adam Eaton. Thank you. I could have answered that for you. I was I would have <laughs> said Andrew McCutcheon, Jared Kelnick, and Adam Eaton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are the three. Uh, for me, Eaton's definitely on the list. Uh, I think. I didn't even mention him when we recorded, but Mark Canna, I like him as a fifth outfielder. So I'll say him with Eaton. And I'm going to go even deeper, say this is a draft and hold, and Nomar Mazar, who I continue drafting everywhere in draft and holds because I refuse to quit him. Even though I've traded him in Dynasty Leagues now, I won't quit him in redraft because I still feel like if it's that cheap, I'll take the shot. All right. This one's a little harder because, I mean, we're not talking about early prices on most of these guys, but the three guys least likely to end up on my team are blank. If you have thoughts, go for it because I I don't really know. Like, I'm always of the mindset when you get to a certain point in the draft, I don't know. It's like I just don't hate picks Mm -hmm. as much, you know, if that makes any sense. I mean... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Leody Tavares, I know, is on your list, right? Well, we're talking 46 on. Oh, wait. Yeah, uh, that's right. I'm sorry. I heard Leody Tavares, and I, or you said that, and I heard something different. Yes, thank you for saying that name because that is definitely on there. I hadn't seen his name yet, so I hadn't thought of that. 
Uh, the very first one that we talked about at the top of the show, Joey Gallo. I think he's on there for me. And, yeah, Margot. I'll just say Margot is the other. I don't think I'm wanting to chase into those guys. I want to say Gritchick because mm-hmm. of the playing time, but... It's almost cheating I don't at know. this point. I kind of like Gritchick. Like, I mean, if if he's playing, I like, I don't know. My first draft and hold, he was my fifth outfielder, and I was thrilled. Yeah, I, I love. Yeah, him. I, I've had. He's just been good to me, like in the past few years. Like he just, when he's going, he's just hitting bombs left and right. And I don't know. I just, I feel like I've been in on the good Grichik more than the bad. So it's probably a skewed view. But I hope our buddy Lucas Beery is listening right now because he's gonna laugh laugh whenever I get into this because I've talked to him privately about this. Lucas has been a Grichik fan for the last three years. I've heard him talk about him here and there, and I always just throw cold water anytime he ever tries talking about him. I'm like, he's a fourth outfielder. He sucks. And he's <laughs> continued being pretty good for the last couple of years for Lucas. So finally, I draft him in the Rotomasters draft and hold, first draft of the offseason, and now he becomes the fourth outfielder on the team. Irony right there. That's irony. Yeah, that's, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Right. Um, yeah, I'm going to say, I'll say Gritchick just because we're talking about him. Um, you know, I, I think I'm out on Lorenzo Kane. I just, yeah. I don't, I don't know. He could be all right, though. I, I just don't think I'm drafting him. And, Honestly, like at two fifty seven, like I said, I'm just yep. I don't think I'm taking Puig. So and right. it but it's it's not to do with Puig's skills, it's just to do with the um I just don't think he's gonna sign. I'm just not convinced he's going to. And if if he was, I would I would definitely take him there. I would take oh, him yeah. higher than that. Much higher. So yeah, I mean I I I like him as a player when you're talking around about like around pick two hundred. I mean I think it's it's totally warranted, but yeah, the risk is just through the roof, uh, especially if it's, especially if it's a league where like a draft and hold league where zeros really affect you. I mean, you, you really got to be careful taking a plunge on a guy like that. Yes. Agreed. All right. We did it. We just talked about all of the outfielders. There's three episodes of outfielders for you all, and Andrew, we're done with them. Feels good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it feels good. But the good we're news getting is, close. We're getting closer to the season, man. It's it's getting exciting. Well, yeah, we. I didn't even mention this on either of these last two episodes, but pitchers and catchers have reported we're getting news now, and we're watching bullpen sessions and. Managers are doing interviews. It's exciting stuff. Yeah, it is. It's good stuff. I haven't watched enough MLB Network this week, and now that I'm now that we're sitting here and I'm talking about this, I need. I'm realizing I really need to. So I think I'm going to make that a focus this next week. Watch more MLB Network. Find, watch more bullpens of Noah Syndergaard, and maybe read, read, listen to him and Trevor Bauer fight with each other more. Maybe, maybe that'll keep happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotta love MLB Network. They do a great job. Yes, they do. They're wonderful. And next up, we got starting pitchers to go through. And we just did three outfield episodes. Pitchers is next, and we got three more episodes coming on that. 
So we got a lot to dig dig into on that end, especially with those top guys who you and I are saying to get aggressive on early in these drafts. So looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Pitchers are it's wild, wild west when you get to a certain point, but yeah, it'll be good. Yep. The running backs of I would I kind of think of them like the running backs of fantasy football. You gotta have plenty of them. But man, but they're also very, very you know tough they're tough they just they they turn a lot quicker in terms of so many more injuries happen with them yeah definitely so either way we will be back soon with starting pitcher preview but until then take care everybody yep take care guys thanks again for listening to the baseball 365 podcast with justin hughes and andrew mcquiston be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 